Hi, everyone. Hope you're having a great week. And uh, wow, so much to talk about. Parsha's told us. Hopefully, uh, everything you hear could enhance your Shabbos table. Um, I want to begin with a story, an amazing story. Rav Chaim Ozer Gazensky, the, the Gadol Adar, pre uh, the Second World War. And uh, the story goes that he had just finished giving a shear, and it was right about to be at his house. And somebody who was, uh, seemed to have a little bit of a stutter asked him for directions. He gave him directions, and he said, come, let's, let's walk you over there. And he kind of was right by his own house, and he walked with his whole group, and he, he kind of walked this, this, this bacher. He walked into his house you know, to find where he had to be. Um, afterwards, his Talmudim were kind of a little surprised, and he explained to them. He said, you know, this guy, you could tell that he has a little bit of a stutter. And, you know, if he asks us for directions, I was kind of afraid that if we didn't give him the most perfect directions, he's going to end up asking somebody else directions. And it's embarrassing for him every time he has to ask because he has a stutter. So I figured let's kind of uh, just go walk him. Just unbelievable uh, kind of thinking ahead of, of what you could do for another Jew. Um, I heard from Rav Pesach Krohn recently a story. He said there was somebody who would give out the coffee uh, in, in the early Dafyomi year every morning. He would give out the coffee and he would, uh, it was very strange, he would always give like half a cup. And if someone wanted more, he's like, oh, of course, of course, he would always, he was very generous and it, with, with giving it out, but he would always give half a cup. And people were like, wait, you know, why are you doing that? He didn't want to explain. And finally, it, it kind of came out that he said, you know, there are some older people in this shear, and I see their hands shake a little bit. And when their hands shake, if, if the coffee is too high, so then it's going to, uh, it's going to spill out. It's going to be embarrassing for them. It could burn them. So, so what are my options? He said, I, I could just give them a half a cup and everybody else a full cup. Then it, it's kind of pretty clear. Hey, you have this disability. You have this, this inability to keep your hands from shaking. So he said, you know, I made up that it'll be a little bit embarrassing for me. People might think that uh, I'm not generous with the coffee, but I give everybody half a cup. Whoever wants more, I always give them more, but I always give half a cup that no one should feel bad. So just uh, unbelievable sensitivity. Incredible. Okay. So I want to move on to a very gishmak ashayla in Parshas Toldos. One of the big discussions is kind of telling the truth and, and lying and, and so much of kind of you know, Yaakov and Esav comes down to telling the truth and when are you allowed to lie and Yaakov's eventual lying and stealing the brachas and that, that, that entire story uh, kind of starts at the beginning with them being born. So very interesting shilas that come up. Um, the Vaharevna, volume one, has a fascinating shila as follows. Yeah, I think everybody could, uh, could relate to this. He says there was a, a taxi driver who was being a little bit of a wise guy. <clears throat> this this American came right off the came right off the plane, and this guy says, "Oh yeah, my uh, my uh, you know the 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 what's it called is not working." So 
you know, I'll just charge you $70. And this guy, this guy knew right away that where he was going should have been about 25 bucks. But he said, okay. So he says, $70. And so he, he, takes, he takes out, he, has a, he says he has a $100 uh, bill. And he's, he says, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll give you the $100 bill. Do you have change? The guy says, I don't have change. They're going back and forth a little bit. Um, um, but then as he kind of was reaching his destination, this Jew, uh, the, the passenger, he says to the, to the driver, he says, I, I don't know what I did with the, with the $100 bill. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what happened. Maybe I put it away. I don't know. And <clears throat> he says, you know, when I get to the destination, I could go and, and get some money. Um, but the taxi driver said, no, no, you know, uh, you know I'm, I, I'm in a rush. I can't wait. And he, uh, and, and he said, you know, don't worry about it. And he got out of the car and he left. Um, it, it was pretty clear this taxi driver already who wanted to rip him off. It was pretty clear that the taxi driver was assuming that the hundred dollars got lost somewhere in the in the car, and he was hoping to just make a hundred bucks. Even though, again, at most it was worth seventy. That's what they agreed on, but it really was only worth probably twenty-five. Um, so the passenger understood this, and afterwards, the passenger actually revealed to to his rav. He went. He, he felt a little bad. Uh, he went to the rav and he said. Actually, I knew exactly where the money was the whole time. I put it away in my uh, in my bag, and I knew that this was a shady guy, and and he would get what he deserved. I knew he would tell me, no, you know, just leave. Don't I don't have time for you to look for it. Um, and I knew he was trying to make a hundred bucks, so so I put it away. But he's the one who ultimately decided. So again, on the one hand, uh, the the taxi driver said, it's fine. But what the taxi driver was really assuming was that the hundred dollars were in the were in the car, um, and the passenger had purposely done this. So the question is: Was he right to do that? Did he owe the money? Uh, really, really interesting, Shaila. So, Rav Zilberstein brings a Gemara in Gittin. The Gemara in Gittin says that Rav Sheshes was owed. Um, was owed some money. Rav Yosef was in that area and he said he would pick up the money. But the people who owed Rav Sheshes money said, we only want to give you the money if you take achrayas, if you take responsibility, if anything happens, that it's going to be on you. Now, the halacha really is not like that. The halacha is that if I'm, if I'm kind of doing, doing you a favor, bringing it, um, I'm not getting paid for it. Like, I should not have this responsibility. So, Rav Yosef originally said he would take responsibility, even though, you know, halakhically he really would not be responsible to. Mm. But then, as he took the money, he slipped out before making a Kenyan, which would have made him formally chayev. He, he kind of, he, he grabbed, he kind of, he was given the money, but he didn't make a Kenyan that he was, um, going to be chayev. So the question is, <coughs> the question is, how could he lie? How could he say that he was going to make a kin and he was going to do it if he really had no intention of doing such a thing? So if Yaakov Emden, he learns from here, he says that if the only way to get the money is through lying, so again, Rosh was owed the money, and the only way these people were going to give it, which is what he rightfully 
was owed would be through lying, since you don't have any responsibility to take a Christ for this money, then you're 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 actually allowed to lie. Okay? So again, from that Gemara it seems, you could lie if you are kind of in the right. Here also, he's saying, perhaps you could say that even though he was saying, I don't know where the money is, he, he was lying. Uh, it's okay if you're in the right. This guy was really trying to rip you off. He was really trying to almost steal your money. Again, from, from what it was really worth, 25 to 70 to 100. So that, that, that's kind of the question. Rezilberstein says, at the end of the day, this might be a little bit different because when it came to that story in the Gemara and Gittin, um, Rav Yosef really did not benefit at all. He wasn't. He should not have even owed one dollar for this. As opposed to this, this person who was in the car. Okay, at the end of the day, this taxi ride was worth twenty dollars because you actually got right that twenty dollar ride. So maybe he should have left that amount. Okay, right. But in terms of after the fact, are you chayev to go and find the taxi driver? Rizilberzin says you're not chayev. The driver knows where you are. I can find you, but he's too embarrassed because he knows he was shady, and it's as if he's kind of being mochel, saying, you know, just forget it. I took a chance, uh, and 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 that's it. Um, I'll just kind of bring up a a uh, similar interesting shaila. <clears throat> we won't we won't really go into the maskan of this, but just a, a fascinating shaila to bring up, and, and people always have very strong opinions about this one. Um, they they say it's a real case is there's a case of a bully um, who every day would steal somebody's lunch, this really nerdy, geeky kid. And he would steal his lunch, he would scare him, and this, this kid, who, who kind of fits that, that stereotype, he has, uh, you know, he's into, he's into chemistry, and he has a little lab, and he eventually puts some poison in his sandwich. And he knew it would be stolen. And, you know, the story goes, this guy took it and he got very sick. And, you know, the question is, are you allowed to do such a thing? And it's kind of a similar, a similar thing where you're, you're kind of setting something, you're setting a situation up in which if a person does something wrong, it'll be, it'll be really bad for them. But, but they're the one who's kind of choosing to do wrong. Is that considered dishonest in the case of poison? Is it considered Hezek. Um, so again, very, very interesting. Rabbi Bleich uh, has about 50 pages or so on this uh, in, in one of his books. And I know Zilberstein discussed it somewhere. But, uh, you know, really, really interesting. Shiloh, knowing somebody is going to kind of take the bait, is it wrong for you to set that up? Or is it wrong for them to be doing the wrong thing? Um, another question that kind of comes up with this is he, he brings up, again, in this situation, it was after the fact, he wanted to know, you know, do I have to return the money, the mumminess of it? There's another shaila, is it lifneiver? Okay, lifneiver, are you putting a stumbling block by telling this person, oh, I don't know what I did with it, and almost kind of putting him on the spot to want to steal that money could be, is an issue of lifneiver. Um, but after the fact, in terms of if you still owe him money, that's a, that's a separate shaila. So this is, uh, <clears throat> this is what he goes into. I want to go into uh, the, the Dvar Torah. Very first uh, Pasuk. Um, Ela told us, uh, Ela told us, Yitzchak, 
Avram, Yitzchak ben Avram, Avram holding his Yitzchak. And Rashi says, why does it have to say that twice that Yitzchak is the son of Avram? So Rashi famously says that the late Sonia Adar, these clowns, these scoffers, are basically, hey, Avram and Sarah, they've been married for so long, and they didn't have a child, and now all of a sudden Sarah has a child. It must be that Yitzchak is not the child of Avram. She must have had a child with somebody else. Um, and again, they, they point to the longevity of the marriage without producing a child, and they say that this, you know, this must be what happened. Um, so very interesting. So what does Hashem do? Hashem changes, you know, in a certain way, changes the teva, he changes the DNA. He, he, he makes it that although Yitzhak might not have looked, uh, not have been kind of destined to look like Avram, uh, Yitzchak, Hashem changes it. It makes Yitzchak look exactly like Avram. Everybody agrees. Everybody has to agree that Yitzchak is the son of Avram. So it sounds like Hashem hears these late sonim and he says, "Okay, I, I, you know, I want to. I kind of want to shut them up." The the problem is elsewhere we find that Hashem doesn't care what the late sonim say. Elsewhere we find Hashem says, "Okay, it's going to mess you up. I don't care." Where is this? This comes when in the beginning of Maise Bereshis, Hashem says, Naase Adam. And the words Naase Adam mean, let us make man. And who's us? And Rashi says, us is Hashem is showing his humility. He talks to the Malachim. He says, let us make man together. Okay? And Rashi over there says that it could kind of sound a little bit bad. It could sound like as if Hashem is saying, there's another God, me and you, this God and that God. And it, it might cause some late sonim, some scoffers, some people to kind of say, oh, there must be more than one God. And Hashem says, you know what? I don't care. I want to show good midos. And I don't care what happens to the, you know, with, with this late sonis. I want to show that it's important to be humble. So in one case, we care very much about the late sonim and answering them. And in another case, we don't care about answering them. We don't care about the mistakes that will come through them. So I heard this Shiloh once, and uh, I heard from Rashmul Brazil, I believe, who said uh, a beautiful and, and very intuitive answer. And he says, the difference between when you disregard late sonus or and when you don't is whether or not the late sonus affects you or it affects others. When it comes to you, in the case where people are going to say there's more than one Hashem, so then always you work on being the bigger person. Hashem says, I don't care. People are going to say there's more than, than one. I want to show uh, you know, my, my message, my lesson, and I don't care what the late sonim say. So you allow things to kind of roll off and, and, and kind of be as they are. However, when it comes to others, when it comes to somebody else who might, who might be affected, when it comes to the covet the, the of Avraham, the covet of Sarah, the covet of Yitzchak, then we must fiercely defend their covet. We must, Hashem says, I will change around the entire DNA of what are you supposed to look like so that nobody could be elate, nobody could say something negative about them. And, you know, there's a famous idea from Rabbi Yisrael Salanter that the, 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 uh, the Mishnah Perkei says that, you know, Chacham is somebody who learns from everybody. And the Mepharshim the talk about, what do you mean everybody? Like, you know, there's some people seemingly you shouldn't learn from. What about, uh, what about a Goslin? You want to learn from him? What do you want to learn from a Kofar? So if Yisrael said, you know what you want to learn from a Kofar? Is that when there's a poor man in front of you, you have to be a Kofar. Meaning, 
when, when, when you are trusting in Hashem, if you don't have enough money, you say, oh, I need to figure out a way and Hashem's going to take care of it. It's okay. Hashem's going to take care of it. When there's an ani, when there's a poor person, you need to treat him differently. You got you to gotta kind of care about as if Hashem doesn't exist. I need to take care of this person. I need to make sure that he's going to get all of his needs. In Rabbi Yisrael's words, he said that somebody else's gashmius is your ruchnius. And I was thinking that uh, this is very hard for us, very hard for us to kind of treat ourselves with one standard and treat others with that higher standard like Hashem does to uh, Avram, Yitzchak, and Sarah. And why, why could this be? And often, we personally don't feel taken care of by others. We don't feel as if others would extend that level of care for us. And on some level, misery loves company. If we're all suffering, hey, this is how people get treated, uh, we can handle it. But if we feel like we've been singled out for suffering, so that's, that's really hard. If we feel like everybody else gets things, but I don't get things, not only that, I'm ex- I don't get things, but I'm expected to help those other people get things, uh, we don't, we don't want to be feeling like we're the only ones uh, who are suffering. And, you know, the reality is, that uh, if, we, if we really think about it, we look into it, we're all being taken care of by others. And we're all, you know, we should feel us more and more. We're all kind of being embraced uh, by all of Klal Yisrael. And, you know, the, 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 we need to overcome that. We need to kind of recognize others do take care of us and that our greatest ruchnius is to be able to take care of others and to be able to be makbid on the covet of others, to be able to care about their, their, all of their physical and spiritual needs. And Mirz uh, Hashem, with that schos, we should be zoche to the opinion of Abayas, Shiach, Merav Amen. Have a great Shabbos.